0: You are listening to the voice of Ahlul sunnah wal-Jama'ah. Merkaz Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa to this lovely Yom al-Arbiya. Yes, it's Wednesday night, the sun is down and a new day has begun. Alhamdulillah. May Allah Ta'ala protect us from the evil of this new day and grant us increase in the good of this new day. May guide us to the best of deeds and morals, as none can guide except him, and may save us from bad deeds, as none can save us from what is bad except him. Well, the Rand, uh, after a day's topsy-turvy trading, closed at 1392 to the greenback, the range between 1383 to 1393. Who would have believed that you'd see days like this, where, you know, just day after day after day, the Rand keeps on pummeling other currencies. I like feel they're trying to set us up for um, a rebound. Huh? This is like a pump and dump kind of performance we have seen at the moment, I wonder. Well, uh, JSC, uh, all very happy on the JSC today, finishing in the green. All the arrows pointing in the right direction, uh, other than the uh, the uh, the dollar indicator. Apparently we're like one cent uh, uh, more expensive uh, than we were to the dollar yesterday. Uh, but you know, at one stage today, we're one rand 83. Currently, I mean, not one rand 83. Wow, imagine that. The 1383, we're currently on the 1394 to the dollar. 17 rand 31 will buy you one British pound, and 15 rand 63 will get you one euro. Mm. Gold is slightly down over yesterday. We're in 1412 yesterday, we're on 1409 today. Still holding above that what they call the crucial 14,000 mark, uh, indicating uh, that um, the market is starting to cement in uh, the feelings of pessimism that have been dogging uh, traders uh, for the last six months. Uh, They're saying that it looks as though the second half of the year is going to be perilous, No one really knows where we're going to go. The United States determined to push up the price of oil. Looks as though it's fanatically determined to try and uh, start World War III over Iran. Um, Trade war with China continuing. And here in South Africa, we uh, continue with our ineffectual uh, attempts to try and fix ESCOM. You know, um, coal-fired... power stations use the same kind of technology that we used to use to boil a kettle you know that's we, we we still that's how we generate electricity still after all these years you know we boil water and make turbines turn around and put it through in the electromagnetic flux uh, linkage uh, with a magnet and some coil and uh, next moment you've got electric um, electric current being produced so you know um, in fact you know when uh, uh, Rob Louis Stevenson, uh, the inventor of the of the of the steam engine, he got his idea from a kettle. You know, he was trying to uh, keep uh, the funnel of his of his kettle closed uh, with a teaspoon, and he is amazed at how much pressure he had to push down in order to try and prevent the steam coming out. That's where he got the idea. that, You know what? Uh, the amount of force that the steam is able to generate uh, could be used to. You know it could transform it into motive uh, power to move things um, and and so uh, out of such little humble beginnings uh, electricity was born well the all share index on fifty eight thousand and fifty two point seven two point nine percent up on the day uh the top forty index point nine nine percent up and uh the biggest uh most watch share on JSE today is EOH. There you know, a lot of news coming out on EOH, uh, South Africa's biggest uh, software internet uh, um, service provider and, and retailer. Uh, had, had, they've had problems ever since uh, early this year when um, Microsoft pulled uh, ended its uh, position as a preferred supplier in South Africa. Um, a major slap in the face for EOH. That was after EOH was found guilty of having paid bribes uh, to the Department of Defense in order to secure a contract. Of course, it wasn't found guilty in South Africa. It was found guilty of that in New York. Um, and Perhaps fortunately for EOH, and uh, as a result of that, EOH's price fell through the floor, uh Stephen van Koller, its chief executive, had to engage in a whole lot of um uh, you know trying to uh, trying to um cool the flames um and uh, he did a remarkably good job in terms of leadership i must say uh he de- he did turn the crisis around uh but that didn't mean the crisis went away and uh, subsequently o h uh, called in its auditors. Had a look at uh, the way it's been doing business. Um, just on on Friday, well, the announcement was made on Monday, but the resignations happened on Friday. Friday, three key uh, directors resigned, um, and uh Funkola came out now and said, "You know what? We've been covered a whole lot of uh, dubious transactions here, uh, affecting about one point two billion rands worth of business." Uh, But we are cleaning it all up. But he did hasten to reassure people that the three directors who had resigned were not connected uh, to corruption. Uh, They had resigned in order to make way for new staff coming in and they're going to cooperate in a handover period and everything like that. It's an acknowledgement that perhaps they were snoozing on the job and uh, as such they've fallen on their swords and they're making way for new people to come and take over. So that's what's happening Uh That's a brief rundown of EOH. Maybe if we've got time a little bit late in the show, we'll get into that in a bit more detail. Uh, second most viewed chair on the JC today is Steinhoff. So, uh, yeah, EOH uh, must have uh, been up to some hard work in order to get Steinhoff knocked from its usual first uh, spot on the most viewed chairs. It's usually a sign of trouble for a chair to be among the most viewed chairs. Sassel uh, is there again, as is Sabanya. Sabanya, uh, definitely a regular uh, among the most viewed chairs. Well, Neil Froneman, you know, he is a combative uh, chief executive, be willing to take on the uh, on the trade unions. No longer believes that uranium is uh, tomorrow's metal. Uh, fully moving into gold and platinum. All right, so there we have our biggest winners on the JSE today. Sappi in number one spot, raising 4.52%. Supergroup, second spot, 408 followed by Sassel, gaining 3.35%. Togo Sun up 2.7%, and Sunlam up 232 Biggest loser again, South 32 down 2.82%. Kumba Iron Ore down 258 Inverprop uh, down 2.45, that's a rate. Hammerson also a rate, 2.19. And Capco in uh, last spot among the biggest losers in fifth spot, losing 1.59%. So that should tell you that the movements weren't very big on the JSE overall today. They weren't like any sort of major movers in any one direction. Uh, The Rand is steady in early trade throughout the day. News came out today, Amplatz expects half-year earnings to double. Uh, Sami, the Saudi uh, group, uh, continues partnership talks with Danel. That's despite it being rebuffed earlier in the year. And also coming up a little bit later in the show, if we have enough time, and I'm actually fishing enough and get through things quickly enough, uh, we have uh, South African bond yields falling below 8%. U.S. retail sales upper, but uh, interest rate easing is expected to continue in the world's indispensable economy, as it likes to think of itself. Ramaphosa versus Mkwabani, more, more uh, vicious arguments between the politicians in South Africa. Uh, we take another close look at Greta Mantashi's energy plans and we start asking, what are, South, what are Africa's central banks up to in the next 10 days? As the US Fed prepares to, uh, to start cutting interest rates uh, for the first time in many years, uh, what are Africa's uh, central banks going to do in response uh, what's wrong with Bitcoin and Facebook's Libra? There's a lot of news coming out. Uh, Stephen uh, uh in the United States uh, saying that it's you know it's been used uh, human trafficking, it's been used in organized crime, it's been used in international terrorism. So I said, yeah, but you know, so is the dollar. You know, when it comes to these kind of deals, it's almost always the dollar that has been used by international terrorists. It's almost always the dollar that's been used by um, organized crime. It's almost always the dollar that's been used in drug smuggling and human trafficking and all of these things. Oh, you want to ensure that the dollar continues being used by your close personal friends, I suppose. Ah, so that's why they've got a problem with it. Well, they do have some other problems with it. Some people say there are some genuine problems with it. So stop being so flippant. I mean, okay, fine, right? Okay, Peter Moyo continues throwing toys out of old mutuals' cot over their uh, firing him. His dismissal, chief executive being dismissed uh, from one of the biggest banking institutions in the country. And uh, it is really turning into a mud fight of note. Uh, Corruption Uncovered at EOHS board members depart. Also coming up, more e-filing problems at SARS and what you can do about it. Uh, We have a look at where your tax rands go. Uh, and the water problems, what the, the U.S. is going to do about it. Amplad sees half-year profits doubling, and the Gauteng Employee Pension Fund uh, says it's increasingly looking at increasing its uh, offshore weighting from 5% to 10%. What is that going to do? It's also suggested that it doesn't have to hold on to the Public Investment Corporation as its fund administrator, and that there are other options open. Mm. I would I would I have said many times on this show that uh, the the uh, the biggest pools attract the fattest hippos and indeed when it comes to fat hippos the fat hippos love the pension industry you know you've got these huge big pools of money lying around people very Uh, loyally and obediently, uh, handing in their money every month, saving up for their entire lives so they can uh, live in miserable loneliness in an old age home in their retirement years, ignored by their children, forgotten by their family members, their friends already passed on, and they're worrying if they're going to have enough money uh, to last for the rest of their lives. Yeah, well, uh, that's uh, what you've got to look forward to if you're part of the nuclear family economy you know even in the, even in the uh even in the wealthy um even in the wealthy uh, retirement villages uh this is the same problem you go to any retirement village okay sure fine like you know um frail care and so on big differences you know many retirement villages don't have anything like that at all basically they're just rooms for people to come and die in. death camp that's what the people at my mother's old age home used to call it Welcome to the death camp. How are you? Oh, I'm not as good as I used to be. Oh, I'm not as good as when I first arrived. Uh, Yes, uh, the humor, the gallows humor in uh, retirement villages. Mm. Uh, And so, right... um, so the Geltingen Employee Pension Fund says that they can take the money overseas and they don't have to just have the PIC to look after their money. I would I would suggest a very, very, very sternly that uh, GEPF not change uh, fund administrators because the rest of the pension funding industry in South Africa, the private sector, boy, you don't want to go close to that unless, unless you've got uh, – uh, a 10-foot barge pole that you can prod things with, um, an and assault rifle and uh, a lot of ammunition. Um, don't get near them. All I can say is uh, Google Vujanagawane and Alexander Forbes and find out what they're going to be doing with your money. Yes, the biggest pools attract the fattest hippos, and the fattest hippos in the world uh, are found in the banking industry and in the banking industry, the pos there are found in the pensions industry, yeah, because you don 't really have to do anything you see you 've got dead capital that 's just lying around waiting for you to hoover it up. Yeah, yeah. Then people wonder why pension funds are experiencing pension funding gap. It isn't just because of demographics and uh, shrinking youthful population and too many old people uh, drawing too many, too much money out of pension funds, too many baby boomers going into retirement, uh, not enough youngsters uh, to supplement uh, the pension funds incomes. And of course, um, More and more people cashing in their savings simply because they've run into financial trouble before it comes to retirement age. Uh, And as a result of this, like around about 5-6% of all people saving up for their pensions are actually going to have enough to retire. Which like creates a real big problem for people who uh, have been living in a nuclear family economy all their lives, you know. Uh, Very often you've grown up as the only child in the family. You don't have any brothers and sisters. If you do have cousins, there's one, two or three, and uh, maybe you know one of their names. And uh, usually they've left overseas. They're living in different countries from you. Uh, And so you're heading into retirement, and now you don't have enough money to look after you for your entire life. And you don't have any children to fall back on. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, very, very sad dilemma. I mean, that is tragedy, don't you think? That really is economic tragedy. You know, uh, people ask, why why on earth would you get involved in business and uh, economics and finance? You know, it's such boring stuff. Tell you what, this is where real high drama, where real, like, you know, betrayal happens. This is where uh, you can really tell the measure of a man yeah in business and finance you know uh these guys who um <clears throat> specialize in romance and alvin walls and 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 aliens blown up uh, galaxies they amateurs man you want to check the real drama you just sit and you watch uh, a ticker tape um coming out of uh, of of, of, a, of a little um <clears throat> Uh, teletext machine. Teletext machine. What on earth are you talking about, Elamine? <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen that kind of stuff since the 1980s. Yeah, it's amazing how the technology has changed in terms of financial data and so on. Okay, let's go on with the show then, shall we? Oh, yeah, the Rand was weak against the dollar in a later afternoon trade. That's after U.S. retail sales exceeded market expectations slightly. Uh, and investors, of course, watching the U.S. Fed. Uh, you've just had very strong job numbers coming out of the U.S. for May. Two hundred twenty-four thousand extra jobs added onto the U.S. economy. And now you know this is as Donald Trump is saying. Well, you know our economy cannot afford this. Is just a stealing jobs. You're gonna, uh, you know, we need to bring interest rates down. Um, <clears throat> as the U.S. Fed is like sort of moving into a tightening um, curve. Suddenly, uh, having to do uh, um, a backtracking, uh, very serious and very quick backtracking. And uh, so suddenly then the market starts talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, no, okay, so we're going to get into easing. And people are saying, yeah, I'm 100% sure, three, three interest rate cuts this year, 0.25 percentage points at a go. Uh, going to 0.75% lower interest rate by the end of the year. Wow, that's fantastic! That means interest rates are declining in the United States, and uh, people are saying, "Okay, well, we can take money out of the U.S. and put it into uh, foreign markets." And as a result, the rand is is gaining. But then, why are we gaining against the euro and uh, the UK pound at the same time? It would appear that perhaps the politicians have fallen into that kind of um, uh, seductive trap. That yeah, we can we can quickly boost. We can boost uh, exports by lowering the value of our currency. Of course, you know, that only boosts a politician's short-term political goals, you know, as uh, as the differential between what the currency value is at the moment to what it's going to be next year. There will be more of your local currency in your pocket. Uh, but, you know, um, it's uh, it's uh, it's only got a, a, a relative uh, boost. It's only a short-term boost, and uh, and then your economy starts going down if you continue holding on to it like the idiots in South Africa have done. um, You know that like uh, uh, rags like Business Day are not not independent, objective um, journals, as they like to call themselves. I mean, how many times have you seen Business Day investigating um, currency manipulation? On its pages, you don't see it because it's uh, it's a whore to the banks. Um, you'll, you'll you'll never see them um, saying, "Yeah, we need a stronger rand." Always, always, always talking down the rand. Say, "No, we need to boost exports." But if you go and look at the last twenty years of this weak rand policy, as advocated by Business Day, and how much has it boosted our exports? Not once. Not once. Not once. It's only boosted the profits of banks and mining companies that are taking their minerals out of the country. Fifty percent of all gold mined in human history was mined in South Africa, and we've got four million ounces of gold. Such a paltry, small little uh, level of savings—it's pathetic, really, truly pathetic. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> it's all a consequence of our of our currency perceptions and money supply. Theories, uh, the value, and, and value that we give to Labour and to ourselves and to our economy. Of course, most uh, most uh, journalists working for Business Day are like, you know, hoping that they can get a European passport or a UK passport. And uh, they, they really love it when BBC journalists come along and tell them what a lovely newspaper, oh, you've done a really beautiful story. Or, you know, a banking economist pats them on the head during an interview and says, oh, you really understand what I'm talking about. They say, yo, yo, they feel really good then. No, no, they really do. They feel really good. And that's why they don't write stories about the banks manipulating the RAND values and write stories about why we need to maintain a weaker RAND all the time. Huh? Do you ever see them turning around that thing? You know, a weaker RAND policy can work as a short-term boost to your economy, but then you have to reverse it. If you continue it and you don't reverse it, you're only going to do harm to your economy. Uh, And that is the truth of the matter. But Business Day wouldn't say something like that. You'll never see Business Day saying something like that because Business Day is a whore to the banking sector and to the export sector in South Africa. And in fact, I would say that um, Business Day has psychopathic intentions towards this country. I would say its editor, uh, Peter Bruce or whatever his name is, David Bruce. Uh, yeah, it can be described in very much the same way as his newspaper. It's probably a reflection, reflection of the editor. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, Jacob Zuma, um, what was the the Steinfeld director's name? Yeah, that guy. And Peter Bruce are probably the three biggest uh, economic delinquents that this country has. Uh, but uh, but there you have it. Uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, people watching, uh, the, the US getting a little bit nervous. Now, retail sales rose 0.4% month on month and changed from May and doubled the 0.2% expected by analysts in the Bloomberg poll. Uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said the central bank would consider various economic data, including retail sales ahead of its rate decision at the end of July. Nevertheless, uh, people say that uh, they don't care what they're saying. Don't care what the figures are coming out now. Powell has been so spooked by uh, by Trump uh, that there's uh, there's no ways uh, that a little banker is going to be able to stand up against the psychopath. So basically, uh, the money is on the psychopath. And, uh, yeah, most definitely, you know, America's independent U.S. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell uh, will be on his knees in front of his president saying, thank you for allowing me a little bit of independence and not uh, showing uh, the public pictures of of this meeting. Yeah, okay. So, uh, according uh, to London Capital Group, Powell sent a clear message to the market uh, last week, that US rate cuts are primarily destined to avoid the US China trade war from interfering with encouraging US fundamentals. Uh, right, okay, so the United States is determined uh, not to actually suffer the pain that is a consequence of its own actions. Um, gold uh, is on 1,410, platinum again uh, 0.65 to 849. Ooh, what a low price that is. Brent crude uh, on $66.55 a barrel. All right. So uh, today, uh, the 10-year bond yield, the South African uh, bond, broke through 8%. That means it went uh, to 7 point something percent. Uh, You see, um, you say bonds are rising if their yield is falling. You see, then you say the bond is rising because that means that the demand for the bond is increasing. That means that the discount on the bond is shrinking because the demand is so much better. Uh, If people don't want the bond, then you get a bigger discount. Uh, And, of course, um, uh, even if it goes to 7.8% from 8%, it's still going to be extremely attractive to uh, foreign investors from Europe and uh, the United States as well as Japan. Uh, we haven't seen our local bonds below 8% on a sustained basis since uh, around by Nenegate. Remember, uh, like we had uh, three finance ministers in one month or one week. Um, but uh, that was the last time uh, just before uh, Nenegate. Uh we um before Jacob Zuma put a spoke into the South African economy. Now he said, to say I didn't do it. I don't know what I don't know why. I don't know why people are angry with me. Uh yeah, well if you've got a standard for don't try and become president of the country. That's my advice because um I reckon uh Jacob Zuma's got a standard for not be big uh let's just leave it it. Anyway, um so uh, bond yields important because they guide the interest rates. Uh, government ends up paying to borrow money. If in, if bond yields are high, government will have to borrow money at higher interest rates because it it means that your credit worthiness is uh, is uh, not seen as being very sound. So um, uh, interestingly, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what our bond yields are looking like uh, when Moody's um, uh, cuts us down to junk level uh, in November. I think is when they due to when they're due to uh, give their assessment of our country. Um, A bond is is basically a debt instrument. Uh, You're agreeing to pay an amount plus interest. Uh, Government bonds are issued by countries, uh, which promise to repay an amount at a fixed rate of interest at a specific time. The 10-year government bond, for instance, will be repaid in 10 years. After a government issues the bond, they are bought and sold by investors to other investors. This means the state would have to pay billions more in interest at the cost of the investment in local roads, hospitals and services. Low rates mean governments will save money. Um, the rally right now has virtually nothing to do with positive developments in South Africa, unfortunately. Foreign investors are searching for places to park their money and earn some proper interest because they can't get it in the United States and Europe. They're exporting the interest rate obligations to the poorer nations in the world. So instead of uh, lazy Americans having to pay interest on the easy money they're giving themselves, us people here in South Africa have to pay it for them. And so we have a higher interest rate and then they can uh, borrow money there at 0% bring it to South Africa, and make a 6.75% um, uh, profit. Uh, that's if they invest at 6.75%. Uh, maybe they'll invest at 9.75%, which is the interbank rate. Or maybe they'll invest at the real uh, interest rate in South Africa, which is around about 25%. That's what we are, effectively, um, uh, consumers paying in South Africa for interest. Uh, and uh, really, I, I think it is, uh, it is egregious People should be put in jail. People should be shot. Uh, bond yields in some of the world's richest countries are imploding. That's because of the easy money. Uh, now, normally, uh, uh, the easy money would have resulted in devaluation, because that hasn't happening, and uh, they keep in uh, the money within the money markets, uh, within the um, uh, listed investments phase sphere. Uh, lending money only to millionaires and billionaires, it hasn't gone down to the retail level, that's the common unwashed level where we are, and uh, as a result, uh, the money is not devaluing. But as a result of this, uh, interest rates are, are have fallen down com- completely to zero, they're in many ways, they're unable to monetize this debt. And it would seem to me that they're quite content to actually just leave this debt. I don't think they actually have any intention ever of repaying this money. In fact, this might be the last American scam that's on the go at the moment. Uh, we are going to have to go for a quick commercial break. Uh, don't go away, inshallah we'll be back after this little bit of news from the marketplace You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jamaah. Merkaz al Assalamu alaikum, welcome back well, uh, as we were saying before the break uh, with all that easy money sloshing about in uh, Europe, America and Japan uh, bond yields have fallen through the floor interest rates have fallen through the floor uh, usually you know, um uh, the 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 lazy one percenters and uh, you know the labor aristocracy that inhabit uh, the uh, stagnating economies in the world, the graying economies, the dying economies in the world, the United States, Europe, and Japan, and uh, with its demographic uh, profile, China may well be following in about ten years' time. Anyway, uh, you've got uh, they've they've. Pumped the economies uh, full of uh, quantitative easing trillions. Uh, that money is still sloshing about. Interest rates have fallen and bond rates have fallen. Now, usually these lazy kinds of people who don't like to work for their money, um, uh, they're usually able to pull into bonds when interest rates are low and when when bond yields uh, start falling, then they're able to pull into. You know, they're able to go into bonds and out of bonds into interest rates as, as as the two curves are usually moving in like a different directions. But they're, they're unable to play their game anymore at home. Now they have to go overseas to, to search for yield. And that then puts pressure on other economies to maintain artificially high interest rates in order to attract that money in. Uh, because, of course, you're working at a major a disadvantage if uh, a country is able to pump itself full of artificial trillions And you're unable to do so yourself. Uh, You're going to be at a major disadvantage in all kinds of areas. You know, that's just uh, simply the name of the game. It's like going to a gunfight with a knife. So uh, as a result, um, the only way that we're able to maintain our balance of payments, to pay for our trade deficit, uh, because then they're able to force our our, our currencies down, And uh, it becomes very expensive for us to import. Uh, Our exports aren't earning us a lot of money. And uh, as such, we've always got a trade deficit. So in order to pay for our trade deficit, we have to maintain high interest rates. And uh, we are forced to then take on the interest rate obligations of these um, decaying economies. That's the way I see the world. Um, You can say no. No. But anyway, um, the, you know, you can't get away with this for forever and ever and ever. Isaac Udendahl, investment strategist, as old mutual multi-managers, points out that already $12.5 trillion of bonds. Hmm? $12.5 trillion worth of bonds from Europe and Japan are trading at negative yields. In effect, lenders are paying these governments to borrow from them. Hi, would you like to borrow money from me? Oh, I'd love to borrow money from you, but only if you're going to pay me a little bit extra in order to take the money from you. Oh, yes, certainly I'll do that. That's what's going on there. It's crazy. Uh, So, anyway, the U.S. Central Bank is uh, still looking likely to cut interest rates at the end of the month. And that sent the U.S. 10-year Treasury um, yield to 2% for the first time since late 2016. By comparison, interest rates on offer in South Africa still look really attractive, because we're around 8%. Um, And so, as a result, uh, all of these foreigners keep on coming into our economy and uh, investing in a high interest rate environment um lower yields on south african government bonds mean that new government debt will have lower interest rates so in effect that means you know because the government can say well we can afford to have we 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 can demand lower interest rates for our debt because you see what the bond yields the bond yields are falling that means demand for our debt is growing that means that there is confidence in us uh, we were doing pretty well, you know, around about 2006, our bond yields were around about 13, 14 percent. So 8 percent means that we're not actually doing all that badly. Um, uh, of the total projected government borrowing of three hundred thirty-five billion rand for the current fiscal year, a 1% change in interest rate could save a government a few billion rands, says the it Wooden It's positive and will take some pressure off government, but bond yields will have to fall much lower to make a difference to the fiscal situation. Uh, local government bond yields are still relatively high. Uh, investors continue to be nervous about a credit rating downgrade. Uh, if we do get downgraded, our bonds will be kicked into the junk bond index, out of the main international bond index. That means that certain institutions won't be able to buy our bonds. But it means that all of other institutions will be able to buy our bonds. And uh, I wonder, uh, could we go, could we see our bond yields falling even further once we're on junk status? It would be really, really, I mean, we'll be able to start laughing at Moody's and um, Standard and & Poor's and so on. If they do... Um, Uh, Rate us down to junk status, and then our economy really starts taking off. Wouldn't that be funny? It wouldn't put it past the strange kind of uh, world economy we're living in at the moment. Um, There's about a 50 50 chance for Moody's downgrade, um, and whether or not it's going to have a big effect, um, you know, it depends on how much the market is already kind of like priced in expectations of us moving to junk status. Um, our bonds are already very cheap. They trade at higher levels than other countries with worse credit ratings. Ultimately, investors are buying our bonds because of interest rates and not because the bonds are investment grade. Uh, you know, if we've got a good yield and a better yield in the United States is able to give, it doesn't matter whether you've got triple A uh, U.S. Treasury's paper on hand, uh, or if you got South African junk uh, junk status uh, paper on hand. The junk status paper is giving you 8%. You're going to throw away your U.S. Treasuries if you have to choose between the two, and you're not even going to think about it for a second. Um, uh, another thing uh, that could cut to the government's interest rate bill is a stronger RAND. As foreigners pile into local bonds, they have to buy RANDs to get their hands on the domestic investments. The rand now thirteen ninety against the dollar, far away from the fifteen forty it reached barely a month ago. Huh? Just one month ago, we were on fifteen forty to the dollar. Today we're on thirteen ninety. Do you think it was Sir Ramaphosa? Do you think it was Julius Malema? Maybe it was Bob Mugabe. Bob Mugabe must be up to something in his retirement. I reckon. Hey, we've got a much stronger hand. It must be that Bob Mugabe guy because these these Ramaposas and these um eh, hey, these Imboenis, they they manuan, they newcomers to this thing here, man, you know? Huh? You need like an old hand, a timer, a guy who knows how things work. And that's Bob Mugabe. So, you know, the Rand uh, increasing in strength like this, we can talk about US China trade wars, we can talk about interest rate differentials, we can talk about bond yields, and we can talk about international debt and quantitative easing. But we all know it's Bob Mugabe. Yeah, I know it's Bob Mugabe. Somewhere there on the outskirts of Harare, in a leafy suburb, he's sitting underneath. Underneath a sycamore tree, he's busy reading Donald Trump's, Trump's tweets and he's laughing and laughing and laughing at the spelling mistakes. All right, so anyway, so say we have a scenario of a stronger rand and lower bond yields. Could that provide a window of opportunity for our president to implement some of the difficult reforms he needs to implement? It will make it a little bit easier, but um, I don't really think money is in actual fact the real reason why we're having problems. We're actually having problems because we've got really lousy human beings for politicians. In fact, I don't think some of them are human beings. I think some of them are vampires. Um, now, Sul yesterday filed an urgent court paper seeking a declaratory order that confirms he has complied with remedial actions set forth by um, uh, public protector Mkwebani. In her reported demanding he take action against Pravin Gordon and also former SARS Deputy Commissioner Ivan Pillay. Ivan Pillay was given an early retirement by um, by Gordon. Mukwebani says that that was illegally done. She says that the SARS, rogue, uh, SARS uh, spy unit was an illegal unit and uh, contravened uh, intelligence legislation. And she says that illegal equipment was used by the SARS rogue unit. Uh, and uh, now she demanded that uh, President Ramaphosa take action against Pravin Gordon. Uh President Ramaphosa said, yeah, sure, Pravin Gordon got so angry, he's now taking all of her reports on review. And so the president is saying, well, in actual fact, you know, I can't take any action on your recommendations until the courts have reviewed them and either set them aside or confirmed them. So until the courts have had a look at the stuff, I can't really do anything. But Nkwebani is jumping up and down like some uh, crazy person. And uh, she is uh, adamant that, in fact, um, the president is risking a constitutional crisis by refusing to implement the Public Protector's Recommendations. Uh, she has said that Gordon violated the constitution for approving Pelé's early retirement. Uh, he says he's uh, waiting for review, says Ramaphosa. Mkibani has fired back, accusing him of being in contempt of the office of the public protector, and now the president has approached the court to clarify his decision is lawful. Um... Attached to the President's affidavit, however, are there a series of explosive letters that show just how acrimonious the dispute has become. In in June last month, uh, Ramaphosa told him he is, uh, his intention to await the outcome of the review process. Uh, and he says, "'If you're not so satisfied and require me to exercise my disciplinary powers, I may have, over Minister Gordon, before his review proceedings have been finally determined,' I invite you to approach the High Court for an order compelling me forthwith to do so. Um, She fires back and gets off the mark by pointing out that the Constitutional Court judgment on the Nkandla saga confirmed that remedial action set forth by the public protector was binding unless a court order was obtained setting it aside. So she says, so in this interim period, although there is a, may be a court order coming, there's a court review that is, uh, that is pending. Nevertheless, you must implement what I've told you must do it now. Uh, she says uh, that uh, Ramaphosa's uh, argument is based on a wrong understanding of the law and on a mere assurance by a third party that the president should not comply with my remedial action. Uh, the president, she says, the president's refusal to act on my remedial action is a failure on the president's bid part to uphold the Constitution. So Ramaphosa then writes back to her and says he, uh, she has misunderstood his first letter and that he had not refused to act on the remedial action. He said that he concluded there was not yet any appropriate disciplinary action to take. As Mkubani had directed, and he denies he has acted contrary to the Constitution. He says, As proceedings in the review applications unfold, the state of affairs in relation to appropriate action may well change. So he says, he, You know, um, if the courts say no, you must take action against Gordon, he will take action against Gordon. But then Mkubani fires back again and says the legal advice from opposers is reliant and is incorrect and would lead to a constitutional crisis. She says, I record once more that the Honorable President is currently acting in a manner that is inconsistent with the Constitution. Uh, State Attorney RJ Sibela Mezza informs in Kobani then on July 11 that legal action will be taken to secure an order stating that Ramaphosa had not ignored the remedial action and to stay the implementation of the remedial action until Gordon's cases are over. Uh, Uh, Ramaphosa's affidavit reads, It is unfortunate that it was at all necessary to bring this application, more so in the context of the political climate and events that have played themselves out in the media in the recent past. He says, uh, he adds, It's constitutionally unpalatable state of affairs for the public, protected the the president and the minister. Uh, but, But basically, that's a hangover to the Zuma years. He says, I bring this application then as a measure of last resort and on invitation from the public protector. Thus, there is no controversy that arises in this application. It is not a political matter, but solely a legal one. So there it stands at the moment. Uh, Arguments due to be heard, uh, I think, next week on the 23rd. Uh, and in the meantime, Guaido Mantashe, the minerals and energy minister, who loves to throw rural communities out of their houses, to steal their land and hand it over to foreign mining uh, corporations that are going to pollute our groundwater, provide a few jobs at a minimum wage, and then leave the country. Mm. Yeah, and apparently he's doing all of this for the goodness of the country. Um, He's told members of parliament uh, the government should get behind uh, Saudi Aramco's multi-billion rand investment in a refinery in Richards Bay, Kwasimu Natal. Uh, in January, Aramco announced its intention to invest in a refinery. That was while former Energy Minister Jeff khadebe said Kuche and Richards Bay were among the odds-on favorite sites for the investment. There are concerns about the impact that uh, such a significant investment in Richards Bay will have on Kuche's liquid-to-gas facility. Montage reckons that Aramco proposal to build a refinery in riches Bay, Zulu-Natal is worth consideration. He says, I've heard complaints that this is a terrible proposal, but if we accept it, we must run with it. We can't keep debating on what to accept or not, because by the time we accept the investment, it will have moved to Kenya. It is not in our interest to accept the it is in our interest, he says. It is in our interest to accept the Aramco proposal. Uh, he says the fuel price mechanism is in the process of being revised. Uh, he wants to try to find a way to cushion the effects from the poor. How exactly that's going to happen, I don't know. We are the, our fuel price mechanism is so complicated as it is at the moment, with so many add-on third parties taking their cut, uh, that it's uh, it's amazing that there's actually any anything uh, left. Where, where, where are they going to be able to get a shield? How are you going to identify who is poor and worthy of um, of, of lower fuel prices? Uh, how are you going to differentiate between your customers? How are you going to differentiate between areas? Uh, how are petrol station uh, pump attendants uh, going to be able to tell the difference? Um, I reckon I'm just going to go and get my old Honda Ballard 1988 out of the garage. I'm going. I'm, I'm going to push it to the petrol station. Tell them to fill the petrol pump, and then I'll push it to the corner, and I'll sell <laughs> <laughs> my petrol to the rich people on the way to work. I wonder. <laughs> uh, Mataji says we need to ensure that petrol and fuel prices do not affect the poor. It is not policy yet, but we are just tabling things that we that we would like to do. Yeah, you know, um, how how are you going to shield the poor? You know. Um, <clears throat> Fuel prices, push-up food prices, push-up transport prices, the push-up prices everywhere. How are you going to shield the poor from that? I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, yeah. so Jerome Powell, the Reserve Bank chairman, U.S. Federal Reserve chairman, uh, he's going to make interest rate cuts in the next 10 days. What are Africa's uh, banks doing uh, at the same time? Uh, in South Africa, we've got a repo rate of 6.75%, an inflation rate of 4.5%. Uh we got a stronger rand and uh, declining inflation uh, that may have fallen, uh, but we may have fallen into a second uh, recession in consecutive years. Uh, so yeah, the Reserve Bank has got plenty of scope to lower the repo rate for the first time in more than a year. I've got a lot of scope. Well, in actual fact, you know, you should never have raised that interest rate last year. We had moved into, we have fallen into recession and you raise interest rates. That just goes to show that you're tied to the coattails of the U.S. Federal Reserve. That was anticipation the very next month the Federal Reserve dropped their interest rate. So I reckon, you know what, if I was an American businessman or American business journalist and I wanted to try and predict what the U.S. Fed would be going to do, I'd, be, I'd, I'd just keep an eye on the South African uh, governor of the South African Reserve Bank. that would be a very clear sign, indicator of what is going to happen with the U.S. Fed. Um, yeah, only four of the 22 analysts in the Bloomberg survey forecast uh, that Lesetia Kanyago is going to leave our rate unchanged. 16 of the 22 predicted a 25% basis point cut. So I would agree with that. And two say it could actually be 50 basis points. So uh, most people see us reducing our interest rate from 675 to 6.5%. Some people say, well two, say that we could reduce it to 6.25%. Uh, all right, in Ghana... In Ghana, they have uh, a, a repo rate of 16%, wow, an inflation rate of 9.1%. Uh, inflation in Ghana slowed to a five-month low in June and has been inside the central bank's target band for over a year. Uh, while that could give room to loosen policy further and uh, drop interest rates, um, uh, there's probably going to be erring on the side of caution, according to economists in that economy. Nigeria's central bank has got a interest rate of 13.5% and an inflation rate of 11.2%. Uh, yeah, so interest rates are always higher than the inflation rate. Hmm, interesting that. Um, Nigeria's central bank has made it clear that it's keen to boost lending to help an economy that's still struggling, struggling to recover from a contraction in twenty sixteen. But with sticky inflation and the need to attract foreign inflows to support the Naira, the central bank has started to resort to other measures than interest rates to cut credit growth, to boost credit growth. Price pressures remain too high to bring inflation back into the target band of six to nine percent in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Um, The central bank may wait to see the effect of new regulations such as increase in lenders' loan-to-deposit ratios before it cuts borrowing rates further. Kenya has an interest rate uh, of 9% and an inflation rate of 5.7%. Well, Kenya is more concerned about ensuring there's food security for almost 2 million people as drought continues afflicting their country. While the panel is likely to keep the benchmark rate at 9% for now, food prices and the weakening of the shilling against the dollar could add to inflation pressures. Angola has an interest rate of 15.5%. That's their central bank's interest rate. That's their repo rate. 15.5% and an inflation rate of 17.3%. So Kenya has got an interest rate of 9%, an inflation rate of 5.7%. Uh, you know, that's almost like double. Mm. Uh, but Angola, there's a much closer connection between the inflation rate and the interest rate. Uh, its central bank has reduced, reduced the increments by which it cut interest rates since it entered uh, an IMF financial program. IMS have flagged upside risk to inflation and suggested tighter monetary policy. They want interest rates to increase. The central bank is targeting reserve money as a means of uh, avoiding increasing interest rates. It seems like they don't well, you know, when you've got an inflation rate of seventeen point three percent, you don't like to push it much higher. I guess that's really the thinking that's going on in Angola at the moment. Um do I have time for cryptocurrencies? I'm not going to have time for cryptocurrencies. That's a little bit too long, I'm afraid. Ahead of Peter Moyo's appearance in court uh, today in his efforts to be reinstated as old mutual chief executive and has his actions declared unlawful, he has dragged the executive chairman of Rothschilds & Company, Mark Kingston, into his messy battle against the insurer. By the way, the case has been postponed and it will be happening on Thursday. Until now, Moyo, who was suspended on May 3.23 on grounds of a material breakdown in the relation of trust and confidence and was dismissed on June 18, has aimed his loyal lawsuit at Old Mutual and its board chair, Trevor Manuel. Moyo says the insurer fired him without proper process. He has accused Manuel of having a triple conflict of interest in overseeing Old Mutual's separation from the South African business to its, from its UK operations. This was because Manuel was chair of Old Mutual Group South Africa, Old Mutual PLC, and also chairman of advisory firm the Rothschilds and Company during that managed separation, We saw Old Mutual move its primary listing from the London uh, Old Mutual Group primary listing from the London Group Stock Exchange to the JSE in 2018. Moyo alleged that a proposal to transfer a 5 billion rand contingent liability from All Mutual PLC to what is today known as All Mutual Limited or Mutual South Africa, was at the heart of Manuel's conflict of interest. Rothschilds and Company was one of the advisors of the managed separation and stood to gain hundreds of millions of rands in fees. Moyo believes that Manuel should have recused himself from the managed separation transaction. Uh, In his supplementary affidavit to the High Court, uh, Moyo says he raised his concerns about Manuel's alleged conflict of interest with Ross Childs Kingston on a particular Sunday at Old Mutual's offices in Sandton, Johannesburg. During this discussion, Moyo says that he told Kingston that Manuel should not participate in discussions about the five billion rand contingent liability because of his triple conflict of interest, interest. Mr. Kingston, like Mr. Manuel, held a different view. We're off, child, and we do what we like, he said. No, he doesn't. I'm making that up. I suspect that it was Mr. Kingston who precognized Mr. Manuel about my start, who warned Mr. Manuel, he means. Moya subsequently raised a concern with Manuel and escalated the matter to the All Mutual Board's Corporate Governance and Nomination Committee. He says all hell broke loose uh, and said his relationship with Manuel became adversarial. Old Mutual, however, says that it finds his allegations astonishing because Moya, while he was chief executive, was fully aware that all concerns regarding Manuel's potential conflicts of interest were carefully considered through proper governance structures and are not supposed to be taken up by the chief executive. Really. Uh, the insurer said Moya was involved in board processes that approved and supported the 5 billion rand contingent liability. So they say he's being been a hypocrite. Old Mutual said Manuel's relationship with the Rothschild began before he joined the insurer's board. So what? The conflicts of interest are now. It doesn't matter when he joined um, Rothschild or when he joined Old Mutual. The fact of the matter is when the deal is under consideration, is there a conflict? And there very clearly was. Moyer's lawsuit will be heard in the High Court on Thursday, uh, postponed uh, today. He wants to be temporarily reinstated as chief executive and is claiming damages. In a bold move, he also wants a court to declare old mutuals non-executive directors and manual delinquent. I would really love to see that happen. <laughs> okay, well that's all we have time for, for today. Jazakum for joining us. I make dua that whatever trading activity you got up to today is profitable. And above all, halal. as alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.